I hope I'm a distraction to the distractions around here. Hope I, oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope I'm loud enough and clear enough and excited enough about preaching uh, about Jesus that I'm a distraction to any distraction. Um, I'm going to pray because I can, again, right, right after Canaan prayed. Uh, God, I thank you for the word. I thank you for what it does. I thank you for the faithfulness of your word and that you are, your spirit is faithful in teaching the pastor, <laughs> teaching the person preaching. God, thank you for doing a work in my heart in this text, God. And I pray that you would continue to work through this text, um, that we would draw our eyes to you that we would trust you more, love you more, surrender to you more, hope in you more, God, through all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everybody hear me? Are we good? I got a thumbs up from Clay, so, and he's the furthest back, so, and I'm good over here? All right, good. Uh, today we're going to continue our study in Jude. Uh, Jude... Um, verses 10 and 11 but i will go back to verse 9 uh, not because canaan didn't preach it well but because it goes well with verse 10 super uh super important for verse 10. Uh, we are on a baseball field which is something i'm super familiar with as a baseball player played college baseball at dallas baptist university then played a little professional baseball and then uh continued uh, to do baseball training. So I have a business called Darjon Fundamentals. Little plug right there. Anyway, uh, Darjon Fundamentals. And I have two buckets of baseballs on four days a week that I'm pitching these baseballs. Every once in a while, a baseball gets in the bucket that's not real. And bef at I don't have to look at the baseball. I don't have to read the description of the baseball that, that says pleather, okay, um, or anything. Can y'all still hear me? Did I mess it up just now? Okay, good. All right. Um, I don't have to, when I reach in the bucket, don't look, read, then throw. I reach in the bucket, I grab the baseball, and instantly I know it's a fake. And I saw a little, I don't know, satire of guys like me who who is real picky about their baseball and he had this guy on the bucket and he's throwing the balls to the to the uh, kid and then all of a sudden he grabs the ball and sad music starts playing and he just looks so depressed because he picked up a pleather baseball that's how i feel i know many of y'all can't relate to that but maybe y'all can relate to this how many have more than two bibles in their home more than three more than four, more than five. I didn't say you have to read it every day, but I'm saying, do you have four or five bases? Okay, all right. So you know that genuine leather Bible from that, yeah, right? Canaan knows what I'm talking about. Guys, we know the real, right? We know, I'm sorry, we know the fake because what? We know the real really well. We've touched it, we've felt it. Right. And we're just really experienced with the real. Uh, that's why I'm not going to be completely convinced that 
an unknown quarterback, unnamed quarterback, didn't know that he had a football. What? Never mind. All right. Man, don't turn me off. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, we know, we know from experience what we're holding, right? If it's a real, if it's a fake. This whole series has been contending for the faith, contending for the faith. And Jude is talking about this imposter, the, these imposters that are in the church that are not genuine teachers, not genuine shepherds. They are fakes. The reason in my, my in, in today's message, I want to talk about that contrast between the genuine shepherd. That, that the genuine shepherd, he cares, he loves his sheep. He has no selfish motivation when he loves and cares and he teaches his sheep. Guys, I, I, I would like to say that as we get to know the true, the real shepherd, we will know the fake even more. Verse 10 and 11, I'll read. But these people blaspheme. Let me start with verse 9. I said I was going to start with verse 9. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. But he said, and I'll come back to verse 9 at the end of the sermon. So listen to this. Michael said, the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Verse 10. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they like unreasoning animals understand instinctively woe to them for they walk in the way of cain and abandon they walk in the way of cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to balaam's error and perished in um, chorus rebellion guys but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. Why do they not understand? Because they don't have the spiritual capability to understand. They don't have the ability to understand. Second Corinthians 4.3 says, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They don't understand because this is a spiritual thing. We understand. We see the light of Christ because God has revealed it to our eyes. We are unveiled. The scales have been taken from our eyes and now we can see him in his glory. See, the false teacher, 
his desire, his desire is selfish ambitions. He wants to be glorified, not to give God glory. There is a serious conflict of interest with the true shepherding and these pretenders. They're opportunists. They see a way to get rich, maybe. They see a way to get into a home. They see a way to get their ego stroked. These wolves will naturally curse things that shine light on their evil, on their false teaching, on their selfish motives. It says, but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. They don't understand it because they're spiritually dead. They don't have the capability to understand it. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. I'll read a few. Uh, Philippians 2 sits in, in, in contrasting this good shepherd with the shepherd who's only after personal gain. Here, here's, the, here's the contrast. Here's the good shepherd who existing in the form of God not, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Isaiah 40, 11, it says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them, leads those that have young. Guys, we know a fake because the real holds us close. He protects us. He is not trying to stroke his ego. He is the one that is loving and caring for his sheep. He's putting his life in front of your life. He who had no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God, the good shepherd. Matthew 11, 29, 30, this is how the good shepherd sounds. This is what he sounds like. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The false prophet will put heavy burdens, heavy burdens on you. They will, will, they will make you, um, they will put new laws and new um, regulations on you. Just weighing you down. The good shepherd says, take my yoke, for it's light, for it's easy, and my burdens are light. So how do we contend for the faith? How do we contend for the faith? Contend for the faith by knowing your shepherd, by knowing the truth of who you are. A shepherd protects his sheep with his life. He gathers them in his arms. Jude has not asked you to debate this false shepherd, this false teacher. 
He's not asked you to go and go to blows with him, with your fists. He has asked, he, he has only made it known that they are amongst you. They're there. They are looking for people, homes to get into. They're looking for uh, unsuspecting sheep that have wandered from the fold to deceive, to tell them the dream that they just had. Oh, I had a dream, a prophetic dream, and because that sheep isn't close to the shepherd, or they're not close to the rest of the sheep, he's led astray by this false, this false teacher. We contend, we contend by knowing who the shepherd is. Proximity, help me out, Cain, in proximity. Who, who knows what he, Canaan said last week? It's the, Canaan, help me out, proximity, dependent proximity. As we draw closer to God, we start to understand what's not real around us. We begin to instantly, quickly recognize false doctrine, right? Things that don't sound like our shepherd. Contending for the faith is knowing the truth, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who God is, is knowing your father. These people, what do they not understand mainly? They don't understand spiritual matters because though they are teachers and they talk about God and they pre their preaching actually comes from the Bible. Do you realize that? These false teachers, they, they, they read from the Bible. They don't understand the spiritual things. They deny the power. They're intellectually arrogant. But when it comes to the things of the spirit, they're completely empty. They can quote verses. They can debate you all night. And that's how they lead you astray. I want y'all to remember verse 9. Michael's arguing. And instantly and suddenly, he just stops arguing and says, Lord, rebuke you. Guys, we contend for the faith by knowing who the Lord is. Knowing the truth that that false teacher will get theirs one day. That false teacher will not will not overcome true believers, will not destroy the church. They may, they may destroy graffiti our building. They may destroy the body, but they will not destroy our faith. Michael, the archangel, simply says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I don't need to sit here and fight with you. The Lord rebuke you. I think sometimes we spend a lot of time giving the devil, Satan, a lot of attention, 
a lot of attention. And we just need to say, Lord, rebuke you. I am a child of God. He loves me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. I am the righteousness of God. Contending for the faith. Rather than stumping Satan out and all these prayers that I've prayed. And I'm like, that's a lot of attention who somebody who can't harm me without the permission of God. Do you realize he can't touch you without permission? And when then God does give permission, he only can go as far as the Lord allows him. And what are we left with? Just praise, trusting, hoping in him, believing that he's still a good shepherd. Lord, rebuke you. Lord, rebuke you. I've shared this with a couple of you guys just as a testimony. It's a little embarrassing, but I, I, a little, but mentally, probably uh, not even a year ago, I was going through something and I was going through it alone. I didn't tell Canaan. I didn't tell my wife. But it was just this thing that would pop up in my head and it would make me cringe to the point that you can see it physically. And my kids used to say, Daddy, you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm okay, because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed of it. And I was dealing with it. I would be by myself in the car and it would take over my whole body just because it was right here in my head. And I kept on dealing with it, kept on dealing with it. And then one day I realized that I just needed to say, Lord, rebuke you. I didn't realize that. I didn't say, Lord, rebuke you, but I said, Jesus. I didn't even know how to pray it out. I, I didn't know. But didn't he promise us that you won't even know what to pray? But he will understand your moans. He will understand what you need before you pray it. I can remember struggling with this thing so hard. And I can remember saying, okay, I just need to think about something else. I just need to stop thinking about it. Didn't realize that it was an attack from Satan. And all I needed was to confess the truth of a good shepherd that Jesus, you are with me. Jesus, thank you for being with me. Thank you that I don't have to have this thought anymore that, that takes over my body. Literally, it was taking over my body. Did it for four months, embarrassed. I did it maybe a couple days where I'm just saying proclaiming Jesus and I haven't had it. It's been six months. It's been, it's been a while. But sometimes we draw attention to Satan as if, as if God and Satan are equals. Not recognizing, Lord, Lord rebuke you. Lord rebuke you. What is this, this animal-like instinct that these wolves have? These false teachers have? 
Well, whatever comes natural, whatever feels like, Scripture has not, is, is no gauge for them. They, they don't have this, this, the Scriptures to, to hold them in times when, 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 when their flesh says, I want this. I need this. I need praise from my congregation. I need... I need more money because this is, I can get it from my sheep. The scriptures don't have any effect on them. They're spiritually dead. So they have animal-like instincts who has no comprehension of God. No, no thought of, I want to give my life to God. They don't have that. They have this animal-like instinct. What they feel is what they're going to go after. What they want, I'm going to go get it. This animal-like instinct. And he says, in the thing that this animal-like instinct that they have, it actually is going to end up destroying them. This is not God taking, you know, some time and saying, you know what? I'm going to strike them down. We used to always say that. God's going to strike you down. Nope. It's just a natural consequences of going outside of God's will and God's ordained order. He said, your animal like, their animal-like instincts will, will, will take care of them. And then at judgment, I got them too. That's why the Mar- Michael the archangel in verse 9 can say, <laughs> Lord, rebuke you. And just keep going. Verse 11. And this is it right here. Woe to them. Do you hear that this message is is just as much for the the false teacher as, as us? Woe to them. Praise God for Jude. Saying, you know what? These false teachers may read this and may realize and be awakened by the truth that God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Contend for the faith. Jude is contending. He says, woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of of gain to Balaam's error and perish in Korah's rebellion. What was Cain's sin? Cain knew the instruction. He knew what he needed to sacrifice. The reason I know that he knew is because the Lord says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? Why are you downcast? Why why are you so frustrated? Because he didn't, sorry, for those who don't know the story, Cain and Abel gave a sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice to God was accepted. Cain's was not. Cain's upset. God says, why are you furious? Why are your your face downcast? He says, and why do you not look despondent? If you do what is right, God is saying that because he knew what was right. He chose to do it his own way. False teachers, these false shepherds, they know what's right, but they choose to do it their own way. But if you do not do what is right, 
sin is crouching at your door. Its desire, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. He said these false teachers are like Cain. They're going in Cain's era, seeking to do it, make the rule book themselves, when there is a rule book that has already been written. Yeah, you want me to sacrifice this way? You want me to do it this way? The false teacher says, no, I'm going to do it my way, like Cain. Balaam. Hey, you have, he's saying these false teachers are, are somewhat like Balaam, who the, the only desire is for financial gain. So these false teachers, you'll, you'll know some of these false teachers because you can see they're after financial gain. He was, Balaam was told to curse the Israelites, and he wasn't able to do it. But guess what? He kept pushing. He was going to find a way. So he infiltrated uh, a people to seduce the Israelites. And guess who ended up punishing Israel? God himself. Korah. He rebelled against the leadership. You know these false teachers because they rebel against leadership. They rebel against leadership and they say, you know what? Y'all can lead yourselves. Eric's up there trying to promote himself. You're all holy. That's what he says uh, to Moses. He's like, what are you doing putting yourself on a pedestal? And Moses is repentant and doesn't understand where this is coming from because he knows that he has sought God but he's turning the sheep away from the shepherd the good shepherd the one who was loved and cared for them Moses has Moses didn't want to do it humble man God calls him a humble man in the scripture in the scriptures because he was a man that served the people The false teacher will be the one that is after selfish gain. The false teacher will be the one that will do it for money, do it to stroke his own ego. How do we contend from the faith? How do we recognize that false teacher? Proximity to Jesus. We grab that baseball instantly. We know the, the, the real one and the fake one. We grab that Bible. Oh, that's a pleather Bible. We grab that foot. Never mind. We instantly, we know the real from the fake from proximity to Jesus. We contend for the faith by drawing closer to Jesus. Our mission statement, our vision statement for you is to lead you closer to Jesus, right? To lead you closer to Jesus. Not closer to Pillar, not closer to Pastor Canaan, closer to Jesus because we know that you will be sharp enough to notice the false shepherd, the one who has selfish ambitions. This is their warning. This is Jude's warning to the false teachers. This is 
Jude's warning to those who are uh, in the church. Be aware that they are there. Contend not with your fists, but with a devotion to know the true shepherd intimately. See, intimately. Contend with truth. Contend by remembering God has a plan for Satan. Remember, Michael? Lord, rebuke you. Lord, rebuke you in verse 9. Don't waste your time arguing with him. He likes to take our time because he knows his time is short. We don't need to just be brave. We need the truth to prevail in our own heart and say like Michael, the Lord rebuke you. Let's pray. God, grateful for your word, grateful for the faithfulness of your word in doing work in our hearts and showing us our, our true hope is in you. Our true hope is in you and that we can trust you. God, this, this book, the book of Jew was not written <clears throat> to scare us from these wolves. It's not, it wasn't written to say, to, to make us fearful. This book was written to make us hopeful, to remind us that you are greater, to remind us that you are the good shepherd, to remind us to draw closer to you so that we will be aware of the fakes. Read our Bibles, know our word, so that when something is said, something is done outside of your word, instantly we are aware of it. Nobody has to explain it to us. We don't have to read the fine print. We just know that it is wrong because it is nothing like the Good Shepherd. God, I just thank you that you are the Good Shepherd. I thank you that you do say to take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Thank you. You say, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We thank you for being our good shepherd. Amen.